Well, as we get started, if you didn't bring a Bible with you today, I'm going to ask Ken, if you would please help on this side to make Bibles available and Stephen on that side. Just give them a wave. Uh, you can always download the Bible app. YouVersion is a, is a great one for that. Olive Tree is one I use. It's an excellent uh, Bible resource. Um, and follow along. We're going to be in John chapter 10 this morning. And the page number will be on the screen shortly. John chapter 10. But I want to ask you first, if you um, have had this experience, you ever really had an opportunity or an experience with someone who really listened to you? And like a conversation where you talk with somebody and you really felt heard. Like you really sensed that person was attentive to, to what you said. Because I think we've all had those, those moments um, where we want to say to somebody, you're not listening to me. You're not hearing what I'm saying. And um, that doesn't feel good. To be heard is to be loved. Now, we don't all have the need to talk a lot. Some of us do, but not all of us have that need. But we all have a need to be heard. We all have a need to be listened to. Which means we could probably all get better at listening. One of the most, uh, when you think about a marriage, for example, one of the most fruitful habits in a marriage, I mean, one of the things that makes marriage really strong is when uh, a husband and wife are able to really listen to one another, to really hear the, 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 you know, what's being said even behind the words, to, to actually stop and listen. Right, a spouse who who listens, who doesn't push back, who, who doesn't get defensive, who isn't, you know, a know-it-all about everything, that person can really make marriage work. You, those those of you who are, you know, like some of you are like thinking, ten years from now I'm going to be married. Watch for someone who knows how to listen to you, who knows how to hear what you're saying. Um, a really good spouse says those three words that everyone loves to hear. I was wrong. Or, I don't know. Or the best three words that every wife I know loves to hear, you were right. That comes out of the practice of listening. Everyone loves to be heard. You'll have to ask my wife Becky if I'm getting any good at this or not. I've been practicing for 24 and a half years, but I have a ways to go. So, we're working at it. The skill of listening applies to the life of the Christian, life in the Spirit as well. We, we always say that, well, you could talk to God anytime and God listens. And that is actually very true. God hears you. He listens to you. And, and if you read through the book of Psalms, for example, you'll see over and over again, the psalmist, he cries out to God. He, he pleads. He just kind of bears his soul. And you know that God is listening. And there's a great confidence in the psalm writer, I'm being heard. I know it's safe to talk to God. Because if you, feel, if you know you're being heard, you feel safe talking to somebody. God hears us. Now here's where it switches. Do you and I hear Him? We say, well, prayer is a conversation. Prayer is a two-way dialogue. Well, that's true. But for most of us, that's true in theory and not really so much in practice. We think, well, I know that's the right answer. Prayer is a two-way dialogue. But many times, for many believers, it feels like it's a one-sided 
conversation. And that's not how it's meant to be. You see, Jesus speaks. Jesus always has been speaking. When he walked this earth, what did Jesus do? He spoke, right? He spoke to crowds. He spoke to his disciples. He spoke to men. He spoke to women. He he spoke to the dead. He even spoke to demons. Jesus spoke and he continues to speak because after Jesus returned to heaven, his followers continued to experience Jesus speaking to them through the Holy Spirit, who is God's presence on earth, in us, and with us. Truth for every believer. And yet, and yet many believers, and maybe, maybe you're one of them, many believers would say today, I don't think I've ever heard Jesus speak. I don't, I don't know what that means. I, don't, I can't relate to that. Maybe you've, maybe you've wanted to hear an answer to a question or, or, or an answer to a prayer request and, and it just has felt silent to you. Now, for sure, we all go through seasons where, where God seems silent and, and you know, I, I don't really know quite why that is, but there is a reason. And, and I want you to know that Jesus does speak and he wants to speak to you. And you're not a bad person. If you have not heard his voice, I want to tell you, you're not a bad Christian if you have struggled to hear Jesus speak to you. You're not somehow inadequate or insufficient. He is speaking, but like most things in life, there's a learning curve. It takes some development. So I want want us to turn to John chapter 10 and uh, starting at verse 22. And we're going to read Jesus' words about Sheeps and shepherds. So let's stand together for the reading of God's word. We're in John chapter 10. If you're relatively new to the Bible, you need to know the second portion of the Bible. It's called the New Testament. It begins with four books called Gospels, or which simply means good news account of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. And we're in the fourth gospel. It's John chapter 10. The big numbers are the chapters. The little numbers are the verses. And we start at John chapter 10, verse 22. And it says this, it was now winter and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of the festival of dedication or what today we call Hanukkah. He was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. Um, that doesn't that no longer exists in Jerusalem today. But the Solomon's Colonnade was this kind of long covered porch just adjacent to the temple where people could gather. They'd have conversations there. They'd have discussions. You see in another place that Jesus heals a man who's there. So it's kind of this big covered um, portico. Uh, There's been models made of it. Uh, It was a very impressive structure. Um, But he was there. He was walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. And the people surrounded Jesus and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus replied, I've already told you and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my father's name. But you don't believe me because you're not my sheep. My sheep, verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me for my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand. The father and I are one. Well, once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, at my father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? 
And they replied, we're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. Let's be seated together. We thank the Lord for his word. It's a very important moment in scripture. You know, it's no accident that Jesus uses a a sheep and a shepherd metaphor because it just fits so well. Unfortunately, we don't really, we don't really live in a sheep culture. We're not really around sheep much. Becky and I were were driving yesterday. We rode past a a flock of sheep, um, kind of on Highway 152 in this big open green field. It's just like, oh, I said, oh, look, sheep. You know, and I, I said, man, sometime in my, you know, in my retirement, I'd like to have some sheep. I mean, just, it's just so pretty and it's just beautiful and, and I don't know, it just seems so very idyllic to me as long as someone else does all the chores. But, um, it's no accident that Jesus uses this metaphor. Jesus is a shepherd. He doesn't herd the sheep like, like a, like a rancher might do with cattle. He doesn't beat the sheep like a, like a goat herder might do. He doesn't put a bridle on you, you know, like, like is necessary with donkeys or even horses. Jesus Leadership is as a gentle and trusting sort of leadership in your life. Right? The shepherd speaks and the sheep hear. They listen. They either they, they listen and follow or, or not. Or they ignore his voice. They don't follow just any voice. It's well documented that sheep learn the distinctiveness of a shepherd's voice and that's what they respond to. That's what they follow. The sheep benefit immensely from knowing and following the shepherd's voice. They have, they have the shepherd's you know, guidance. He leads them places. He, they, the, the shepherd provides care and safety and all that goes with that. Jesus put it this way, that verse um, 28. Right? Uh, it says, I give them eternal life. That's a good benefit. And they, never, they will never perish. Good benefit. No one can snatch them away from me. Security, protection, safety. All of that's there with the shepherd. Now, how do sheep get to know a shepherd's voice? Well, I think that's probably pretty obvious, right? By the practice of hearing the shepherd's voice again and again. Um, eventually, they learn the voice so that they can recognize the difference between the shepherd's voice and, and someone other than the shepherd trying to pull them away, steal them away. So we want to practice hearing the good shepherd's voice. So that you'll recognize it when Jesus is speaking to you. Now, again, you, you hear that there's, a, there's an assumption or a conviction in there that Jesus is in fact speaking. I just want to make a comment about some core convictions that believers have had for the last 2,000 years about, about the truth of this topic. We believe, for, for example, if you're, a, if you're a follower of Christ Jesus, if you've come to that place where you've said, Jesus... I yield my life to you. I trust you to forgive all my sin and, and make me a new person from the inside out. I trust in your grace to make me right with you and not my works. If that's where you come, that's because you are convinced, you believe that Jesus is alive right now. Right now. That's a core conviction for you. And so if he's, he's alive, then he speaks. Because that's what Jesus does. I think a second conviction would be that Christians throughout history have discovered that Jesus speaks in a variety of ways. Through scripture, through circumstances, through that inner nudge of the Holy Spirit, that inner voice, 
right? Through other believers who, who speak to you some counsel, who might have a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, might have a prophetic word for you. Sometimes Jesus will speak in a more dramatic way, like through a dream or a vision, as we often have been hearing from, from uh, people in, in, uh, in other countries lately. Um, sometimes, sometimes Jesus will speak in a really unusual way, like a television show or a, or a fortune cookie. I mean, I, I don't know quite how I feel about that, but I, I can honestly say there have been times when, you know, Panda Express, bless them, they got great fortune cookies, and you, you crack that thing open, it's like, oh, I just, that's exactly what I needed to hear right now. Now, that messes with my theology a little bit. We could talk about that some other time. But God can speak however he wants. Way back in the Old Testament, he actually had a donkey speak. So uh, Jesus can do that. If he can speak through a donkey, he can speak through me. I'm pretty sure of that. We also see, this is a conviction, that Jesus will speak in ways, always speaks in ways that are helpful. Either helpful to you or helpful through you to someone else. He does not speak in ways to bring you harm or to somehow diminish you. He speaks in ways to bless, help, encourage either you or someone else through you. And the last thing I would say, and this is really, really important, that what Jesus says is verifiable. It's verifiable. It's testable. You know, he he will speak things that are consistent with what we already have written here in the Bible, in God's word. Right? So we know it's, he says something, well, let me test that. It, it will always be testable um, in his word. You know, for example, the last chapter of Luke tells this amazing episode where Jesus has just been raised from the dead. Two of his disciples are, are walking from Jerusalem to another town called Emmaus. And as they're walking on the road, Jesus suddenly appears to them. They don't recognize that it's Jesus. He's, he's been raised to life. It's in his glory, what we would call his glorified body. And they're like, oh, this is terrible. The worst possible things happened. This Jesus, he died, and we don't know what's going to happen. And they're just like torn apart. And Jesus says, well, don't you know anything? And it says that Jesus began to show them from the scriptures, that's what we would call our Old Testament, from the scriptures, who the Messiah was, why he had to suffer and die and be raised to life. What is Jesus doing? Jesus was speaking. How? Through scripture. One of the very first things we see Jesus doing post-resurrection. And then finally their eyes are open. They're like, oh, it's Jesus. Woo! And they're excited and they go back to Jerusalem. And it's a, it's a great thing. Jesus is speaking from the scriptures. Having written scriptures mean we have an objective standard by which to test and measure everything that uh, we think Jesus might be saying. So it's great to have an inner witness, right? It's great to have a feeling about something. It's even good to have an opinion about something. That's fine. But God has given you... You know, God's given you emotions, for sure. And some of you are, you know, some of us are more emotionally driven. Some are more sort of factually driven. That's fine. Emotions are there to support what is true. Emotions are there never to define what is true. Let me say that again. Your emotions can support what is true, but they don't define what is true. For example, I think some believers get themselves in a little bit of trouble, kind of get away from the Lord's will by, by saying something like, well, I know the Bible says this, but I've... I really feel like, like this is okay. You know, I, I know it says that, but, you know, I ask God and, and, I mean, this is happening many times. Someone will say, well, I asked God, but I, I think he, I think I feel like he, he would be okay if I did this over here. 
No, no, no. That's not verifiable with this, right? One really common example right now, easy example, is, you know, everything in our culture is saying, and I, I read this, someone writing this the other day, they said, I know the Bible says that, that marriage is defined as a man and a woman united in a covenant for life. But I feel like God would want us to be more consistent with what's happening today. Well, that's a pretty, that's a pretty bold statement. I mean, to say, I think I know what God is feeling. It's, it's pretty audacious. So he's already told us what we need to know. Everything's verifiable in Scripture. But I haven't actually solved that original problem that we started with, and that is, how do we hear Jesus speak? So I want to talk about that briefly here. Let's go back to the sheep and the shepherd and figure out, how do we listen to Jesus' voice? I would say, first of all, that hearing Jesus requires some rest. Take some rest, some quiet. Look at verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. Verse 28. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. What does that speak to you? To me that speaks protection. Safety. A place of rest. A place of sanctuary. Right? That's a, uh, the shepherd provides that. And, and we... Re- Rest is required for us to begin to hear Jesus speak. Many of us are familiar with uh, a very well-known line from a verse in Psalm 46 that says, Be still and know that I am God. You know, I think the most appealing part of that line is those first two words, Be still. There's something in, of us, in us that just craves the opportunity to just, Okay, He's still God. It's going to be okay. We live in a noisy, a not still world. We live in a a restless, restless and busy place. It's hard to hear the shepherd's voice. Whether it's a screen in front of us perpetually, whether it's just the busy schedules that we have, it's hard to hear. Even Jesus needed to get away. He needed to get to a quiet place to hear his father speak. You can see that in Mark chapter 1. It says Jesus early in the morning went off to a quiet place. Or or in a really sweet moment of very busy ministry, Jesus um, said this to his disciples. He said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Mark chapter 6. I just think, ah, that'd be good. Now, do you think Jesus would have just sat there and said nothing to them? No. They would have gone to a quiet place and Jesus would have been speaking life-giving words to them. To hear Jesus speak requires some rest. I, I, there's a story I love to tell of a friend of mine. His name's Tom. Tom came to faith, and right about the time he, he gave his life to Christ, kind of his past started catching up to him. And uh, Tom got arrested for some things that had happened previously. And uh, he's a great guy, and he was, he was honestly really scared. He knew he was in the wrong. He knew he was getting what he deserved, but he was scared as any of us would be. He's like, oh, I, don't, I don't want to go to prison, man. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to go to prison. I'm scared. I'm like, I hear you, man. I, I wouldn't want to go either. And uh, so we were, he came to see me and he says, you know, what do I do? What can you, you know, what can you tell me? Now, I could have said, hey, you just need to believe in God. Everything's going to be okay. I mean, I could have said all those things. But I had, what are you going to say to somebody like that? So I said, well, why don't we just ask Jesus? I really believe Jesus wants to speak, that he speaks to us. 
So we're, we're just going to be quiet. So I said, we're just going to be quiet for, for a minute or so. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite Jesus to speak to you. And then I want you just to be quiet and listen. And man, oh, 30 seconds or a minute of just quiet rest. I said, hey, Jesus saying anything to you? He goes, yeah. He just said, trust me. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's it? Two words? That's all you get? Come on. You know, and I, he, I said, okay. So we thank the Lord for speaking to him. Well, in the next couple of years, as he went through trial and court and prison and a couple of different places, he was in some very dark, dark, evil places where he was walking with Jesus. And every time I'd go see him, I said, how are you doing? What's going on? He goes, it's really hard. But I heard Jesus say, trust me. So that's what I'm doing. Now, I could have told him, well, you just need to trust God, right? And that would have been true. That would have been a true thing to tell him. But he heard it from the shepherd. And so it meant so much more to him. It became very, very real. I'm telling you, there's a place of rest that Jesus wants to speak to you. But you've got to get quiet. Do you have some quiet time in your life to hear him speak? I would say that hearing Jesus also requires some routine. Now, Jesus... Speaks in the quiet, but he can speak on the fly, too, while we're in motion, while we're moving. But that also happens when we've been intentional about cultivating this skill, developing this ability, this routine of listening. Right? We all have routines. You have a routine, whether you realize it or not. There's a certain pattern in the way you get up and get ready in the morning. Right? There, there are certain radio stations or Spotify channels that you always go to. You have a routine. You have a pattern. Right. There, there, there's a place where you hang your keys or there's a place you're really supposed to hang your keys every time you come home. Otherwise, the next morning, it's like, oh, I got to get going. I'm late. Where's my keys? Right. You, that routine saves stress. Having routines in your life cr- creates flow and, and reduces stress in your life. So, some of you like have a have a really routine way of like emptying the dishwasher. And, and your, and your, your kids and your spouse do it wrong. And, but you get it right. You know, you know that feeling, right? You've got a routine and it really works. It helps your life. Well, a shepherd and his sheep have routines as well. The, the same shepherd calls out those sheep every morning and they get to know that voice. And then he leads them to a place to graze and to lie down. And, and, and because of that, they get familiar with the security of that shepherd's voice. It's one of the reasons why you've heard me so many times urge you, look, develop a daily time of reading the Bible and taking notes. I'm telling you, I struggle with this through my teen years and into my 20s of like that routine, that pattern, that daily habit. But I'm telling you, that is, I I recommend um, what what we've developed here called the R&R Journal. Read and respond. You read a little bit. You write out a verse. You take notes. you, You listen for what Jesus is saying to you. Write it out. There's a routine that develops. And there's something about doing that every day. Now, you might say, ah, oh, I don't, I can't start with something so big. Start with something, something every day if you can. Or maybe you're saying, I, I've never read the Bible at all. If you started and all you did was every Saturday morning for a year, that would be 50 times more than last year. That would be awesome. That would be a great, some great progress in your life. You need some routine. And I think. For me, I, I just really find that journaling, writing things down is a, is a good habit, a good pattern. But to be honest, to be fair, routines can also become meaningless. They can become boring, right? Um, so even in our routines, we need to watch that they don't become just dull ritual out of habit. But really, I think a key thing in there is that 
you don't just wait until your crisis moments to start asking Jesus to speak to you. You don't like ignore him all the time. And then you're sitting in exam. You're like, oh, Jesus, I need you now. Jesus, take the wheel. He's like, well, you wanted the wheel every other day. Why do you want me to take it now? Like, come on. Um, If you if you don't learn his voice, how will you recognize it when he is speaking to you? So a routine, a habit of listening helps you with that. And by the way, if you've been in a lot of Bible studies as, as a believer, you've been in church a long time, you've likely gotten really good at observing, seeing what's written in Scripture. And that is essential to your discipleship. You need that habit, that, that skill of observing what's there. But something like the R&R Journal helps you do more than observe. It helps you listen. You're not just seeing what's on the page, but you're hearing what the Spirit is speaking to you. You're recognizing the voice. I wonder if you have a routine that helps you Learn his voice so you know it when he speaks. Rest and routine. There's another one I want to talk about. Hearing Jesus requires some readiness or expectation or or anticipation. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament is found in the book of Acts in chapter 13. Just the first three verses. I'll read that to you. Acts chapter 13, verses 1, 2, and 3. It says this, among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menian, uh, and Saul. Or later we call him Paul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, spoke to them. And he said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. That's the beginning of the missionary journeys that Paul and Silas and later Paul and Barnabas would do. As they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and they responded. There was a readiness. You know, it was in that habit, in that practice. They were deliberately seeking God. They were expecting that God would speak to them. That's when he did. That's when they heard. Now, how did they know it was the Holy Spirit speaking? Because they had a routine. They had a habit and they had a readiness of seeking God. And so when they heard that voice, it probably wasn't an audible thing. It was probably that inner nudge. And they all agreed, you know, really, I really sense the Lord saying, that's a, that's a great way to express it. I really sense the Lord saying that we're supposed to send Paul and, and Saul and Barnabas out. Yeah, I, I, I sense the same thing too. That's the voice of the shepherd speaking. I wonder even if this morning, when you came to Bethany Church, did you have a readiness, an anticipation, an expectation that you'd hear from Jesus today? Did you come to church thinking, man, I, I, I want to hear from God. I'm gonna, the Lord's going to speak to me today. The Lord's going to say something. God's going to do something and for, for me or for our church. I expect that God's going to speak. Or do you just think, oh, well, it's just our, just our thing. And man, I can hardly wait to go to like Panda Express for lunch and see what my fortune cookie is going to say. Like, you know, what is your expectation today? Were you anticipating that God would speak? There has to be a readiness because Jesus speaks to those who are ready. I, I don't know if this still happens in classrooms, teachers and students, you could correct me. But I remember as a kid, sometimes, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think I was the instigator, but it seemed like every class I was in was pretty unruly. It was like a great thing if we could get a teacher to cry. I don't know why we, we thought that was such a badge of honor. But, um, you know, there was that moment when obviously you realize, oh, the teacher's just standing there waiting for us all to, like, settle down and be quiet. And then so finally everybody settles down. Because why? Why would a teacher waste their breath? Why would a teacher waste their, their energy speaking when there's no readiness to hear? 
from the students. The students had to quiet themselves and be ready. Which leads to one more thing. If you're going to be ready, you're going to respond. Hearing Jesus requires response. Look, there's no lack of initiative on Jesus' part. But he's not going to barge into your life. He's not going to bust the door down. Speaking of doors, look what it says in Revelation 3.20. I want you to read this with me on the screen. Ready? Go. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Listening to Jesus, hearing him requires response. He's knocking, but you've got to open the door. If the sheep are listening, they'll come when the shepherd calls. It's a bit like a parent who calls her kids for supper. Dinner's ready! Right? Calm through the house. And the kids don't get up from what they're doing. They don't put the controller down. They don't, they don't move a muscle. They just say, yeah, I'm coming! Right? They don't, they're, not, they're not even moving. They're not doing anything. I'm coming! That's not response. That's, I don't know what that is. Right? I, 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 um, <laughs> they've heard, but they haven't listened. I, have a, I know one parent who said, oh, I just stopped calling my kids for dinner. I figure they'll be, get hungry enough and they can come eat cold food. She's, in fact, I, I mostly stop cooking for them because they never come when I call. I'm like, well, that's one way of doing it. I kind of admire her, to be honest. I like that. Right. But if the sheep are listening, really, then they should be responding. Now, many of you do this really, really well. I love this about you. You, for example, you, you know, you sensed that nudge the other day in, in the grocery line to help someone cover the cost of their groceries, or, 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 or you know, you, you you felt like you should text an old friend and say, "Hey, just been thinking about you. Everything okay?" You know, those that's the voice of the shepherd speaking to you when you do that. Maybe there's an opportunity to give or to serve. Or to reach out in some way. And you heard the nudge of the Spirit say, go ahead, go for it. Do that. And again, if it's consistent with He's already taught you in Scripture, then you know it's Him. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I'm, I would love for Jesus, so anything He's going to tell me, just to like make it really obvious. Audible voice would be great. Like big aerial black font in the sky. 60 point, like that would be great. Like something like bold, like just make it really obvious. Jesus tends to speak in much more subtle ways than that. It's often a quiet voice, a nudge, a sense, the Lord speaking. But as I respond in little things, and this will be true for you, as you respond in little things, because some of you are saying, look, I seriously, I've never heard Jesus speak. But I think you have. And as you respond in that little nudge, Help this person. Something as simple as you're walking through the parking lot back to your car today. There's a piece of trash on the, on the floor. And something nudges you says, just pick that up and put that in the trash. You know, that's the, that's the voice of the Spirit helping you. Are you going to learn to listen and respond? Is that consistent? Yeah. How would that be consistent with Scripture? Love one another, right? Care for the earth. Uh, there's a number of ways you could say that's consistent with what Jesus already taught. And as you do that, you'll get better and better at hearing that. So becoming familiar with the shepherd's voice takes rest and routine and readiness and response. Now, we said you can text your questions 
to us if you if you want to do that. So, Stephen, did we get any questions today? Okay, we got some great questions this morning. First question. If God hears and wants to talk to us, why is it that it feels like we must plead for him to respond to our prayer? Is that real love? To beg to be heard from a father that says he loves us, yet doesn't speak to us like in the Psalms of David where David's crying. Mm, That's great. I wonder if we're doing more begging than we really need to do. There's something about waiting on the Lord. About saying, Lord, here's my concern, here's my request, here's my need. And the Lord has a way of knowing the right timing on things. And there's something about, you know, sometimes we, what we say in, in recovery ministry, you, you have to speak a new reality before you experience it. I know the Lord is speaking to me. I'm just waiting to hear. So I think sometimes we're a little quick to go to the begging side and like pleading and demanding and not recognizing the Father loves you and he will speak. But maybe, maybe we're not quite ready what he has to say. We want to quiet and quiet, be ready for that. Okay, we've got a quick Bible-related question uh, related to the, the biblical text of your message, and maybe we'll have time for one more. What is the difference between John and John 1, 2, and 3? Are they all Gospels? Oh, great question. Yeah, great question. So John, that has no numbers in front of it, that's a Gospel, so that's John writing the story of Jesus. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, those are letters, or the, the kind of the Bible word is epistles. Those are letters that John wrote to various recipients of his letters. So John, and then John 1, John 2, John 3, those are letters. And then John also wrote Revelation at the end. So he's credited with five books in the New Testament. Okay, we've, well, got, we've got time for a couple more. more. Yeah, if you got okay. Here's another one. Given that some people do not hear his voice, but are instead led astray by false doctrines and are deceived, how can you know that you are indeed part of Christ's sheepfold? Yeah, read that one more time. That's a, that's a Given the fact that some people do not hear his voice, but are led astray by false doctrines and are then deceived, how can, how can we then know that we are indeed part of Christ's yeah. sheepfold, part of his yeah. family? Yeah, that's great. Isn't that, isn't that your fear sometimes? You think, how do I really know that what I'm believing is really right? How do I know that this is the truth? Like, what if everyone else has it right and I'm wrong? It's a great question. So that's where we've, we've got the benefit of um, scripture is not typically difficult to interpret. Most of scripture is, is pretty straightforward and pretty understandable. So if someone is, is bringing an interpretation that's really out there, built, for example, on one verse in scripture, um, that, is a, that is a moment of great caution for me because you think, okay, there's a, what we would call the whole council of scripture. There's, it needs to kind of agree in general sense with the whole thing. So that would be one way. Am I, is what I'm believing consistent with all of Scripture? Secondly, is what I'm believing consistent with, with what's been taught from the apostles and forward through the last couple thousand years? So, you know, there's cautions, things like if you're, if, you know, if you're leaning into a group that says our church has the exclusive truth on everything, we're, we know it all and everyone else is wrong, that tends to be a, a flag of warning. So, um, I think there's kind of that broad sense of I'm part of the body, I'm part of others who have interpreted Scripture. Just be really cautious around kind of one person who has, or, or kind of one very narrow slice of interpretation. That's risky, I think. One more? Let's do it. Okay, last question. 
I sense the Lord on multiple occasions instructing me to obey him in simple activities and in relationships. I willfully disregard those notions at times, but joyfully respond to others. Why do we fight this? Oh, yeah. Because we're human. There's something inside of us that we're born with called, John, you just said it, sin nature. We're born with an innate desire to rebel. It's in your nature to rebel. Two-year-olds rebel against their parents. Twelve-year-olds do that too. Forty-two-year-olds do it as well. We have something in us that wants to push back. No, I don't want to be told what to do. I want to do it my way. I know that's the better way. Look, I know I should be exercising and, and, and working out and eating better. But you know what I had for dessert? I had two desserts last night. But it wasn't my fault. Someone else made them and I had to be a good guest. You, you know what I mean? Like, we've always got an excuse. I know that's true, but... And we lean over here. And so that's a battle within us. Jesus is in the process of what we say sanctifying, the process of making us holy. He's getting us to that place where we're going to get better and better at responding. My warning on that is this. Look, if you think that by somehow doing gooder makes you better with God, you've missed the gospel of grace. You've missed the point. When you get... When you get gooder at grace, when you get better at understanding that God's great love for you and that the sacrifice of Jesus in your place, someone had to suffer for your sins, happens to be Jesus. When you get that sense of Jesus, I accept your sacrifice in my place, on my behalf. Out of that receiving of God's grace, we're more likely to choose right. But look, we all struggle with that. Because why? We want, we want, it, it feels good, right? Doing that rebellious thing feels good. For a moment, right? It feels powerful for a moment, right? It makes us a little more famous. It gets us a laugh. It gets us a little more prestige for a moment. But little by little, we learn that's a pretty unsatisfying result. So we get there, but whoever answered that, asked that question, look, you are not alone. We are in process on that together. And as you can be trusted with little, you can be trusted with more and more. The life of faith doesn't just happen. It's a, it's a long road uh, in the same direction, and um, you'll get there. So, Thanks for your questions this morning. I really appreciate the opportunity to interact in that way. I wish we could do it over a cup of coffee, but uh, this is how we'd like to do this for now. Let's stand together as we close in prayer. Just a couple of reminders, those of you who are involved in Bethlehem, lunch and then dress rehearsal today. Anybody that could help me on Friday with... Um, with uh, Copper Hill School, if, if you can do that, 7 to 9 a.m., please, uh, please let me know. And then lastly, butler bags are being delivered today. If you're not involved in Bethlehem, but you'd like to be a part of that excitement of loading up, take them down to Butler Church, um, go for it. Uh, they're going to be, I think, loading out this main door here. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you speak. We thank you that you're alive. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you're a good shepherd. Lord, I, we, I recognize that There are so many times when I've ignored your voice and I've disregarded what you've said because it was easier to do it my way. And when I just confess that I want to get better at hearing and responding to you. And I know that's true in this place as well. Lord, I pray that you'd even stir us this week to, to get better at recognizing your voice. To get better at good routines, habits of faithfulness that help us get familiar with your voice. Thank you for your great love. 
Churches' heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We haven't done this for a while, but I just want to give you that opportunity. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as the one who died in your place for your sin and rose again, he's the Son of God who loves you. And if you've never come to that place of trusting your whole life to him and received salvation in Christ Jesus, I would like to give you that opportunity today. If you would just raise your hand nice and high, and I can see that, and we'll pray together after the service. Anybody like that today? Saying, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. For the rest of us, let's be people who just hunger to develop this skill of listening to the Lord. God, we're grateful for this time together. In your name we pray.